Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is how to build a future fluent organization. So how about imagining a work environment which has got all the excitement going about how the future is going to unfold and you got people who are ready with fresh and new perspective about things and how do they want to go about things and are willing to step up, hone their skill sets and ready to help collaborate and contribute towards building organizational capabilities. Then how about a culture of innovation where you're using data and analytics to drive decisions? And how about building such a future-fluent organization that grows through constant change? Easier said than done. There are challenges. There are ways to do it. And we have two senior leaders who have been working towards it, and I'm sure they have made great progress in this regard. So I've got Kirti Padal who is the Senior EVP and Chief Technology Officer with Kotak Mahindra Life Insurance. Hey, Kirti, how are you? Hey, Sandra, I'm fine. How are you? Very good, very good. Honored to have you, and we'd love to have a great conversation on this subject with you. And we also have Jean-Christophe Lollon, who is the Group Chief Information Officer with Air France KLM. Hey, Jean, how are you? Fine, thank you very much. Very good, very good. So, as as I mentioned, a very uh, I, I kind of painted a utopic picture of what that organization can be. Well, to start, uh, Kirti, what do you think is the possibility of building something like this? Is it a pipe dream, or we should still be hopeful? No, no. <clears throat> we have to do it. There is no choice. It is not a pipe dream. All all of us need to work towards building such an organization. Because while you have said it is future fluent, I think the future is already here. So, so we all of us need to work towards it. And Jean, when you when you are looking at organization that you are running, and and uh, airlines is not for the faintest of the hearts with so many moving parts, and constant change is the way we are living our lives and and how we are doing business. What do you think? you are doing to get people out of their jittery nerves so that they can focus on how to be ready and stay ready for the changes that are coming ahead? Well, I, I think that you, you should start first with, with customers, uh, so the people who are flying with us, and second point, the competition. And I think that permanently you should focus people on these two topics. Customer-centric organization, what can I do to improve customer experience and make it better? And second point, what should I do to beat the competition and be among the top players? Come back permanently to these objectives to, to be sure that the question is not so much the organization by itself, but why should we change it? Why should we bring to make it more efficient? That's for me a sort of giving a sense to any transformation you would like to, uh, to start. So, Jean, when you, when you mention competition, I mean, there's something which uh, a wise person said that when you compete with others, you only get better, as good as them. But when you compete with yourself, you get to your highest potential. Should we be, given the times that we are in, even thinking of competition or we should have our own vision? Because we know that we could be struggling and so is the competition. So why we look on the other side instead focusing on where we want to go? So I think that well, we, we should be modest, in particular in our industry where things are moving very fast, and we, we should consider that we are never the best. Never. Even my friends from Delta, I have a very good discussion, and, and, and as you know, we have a joint venture with Delta. We are observing each other with a certain humility. Eh? On a certain number of topics, I think that they are ahead. On other, we are ahead. I think that it's a sort of competition we are doing together. And I will never think that I, I have nothing to learn from the other. So everything starts by observing the competition and trying to, to get what, what's good and what should help us to change, build the storyline huh, to change. That's, that's what we try to do constantly. 
So, Kirzi, when you mentioned that the future is already here and we've got to deal with it, so basically it says that the intent is there within your organization to become the present fluent or future fluent in a way. But what have you done about it? How are you even approaching it? Because it cannot be a shotgun approach. you got to take a step back still and say, if we are not there yet, we got to change this big, huge ship on its head or we have to steer it in a different direction. What, what's your thought process regarding this? Uh, sure. So I would just, before I take your question, I would just like to add to uh, the question that you asked uh, earlier is uh, uh, about uh, whether we should look at competition. And my take is that competition is anywhere. So you can't really look at your 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 so-called competitor because your competition could be anywhere. I represent life insurance and I believe that the next competitor could be an Amazon or or, <clears throat> or a Google. Uh, and uh, therefore, organizations need to benchmark themselves not only with the, with the competition that is perceived as competition, but, but, but with anyone else. Now, to, to answer your specific question about how we are looking at this, uh, see, change, change is a given and change is the most, most difficult thing, thing to handle. Uh, we have always believed in continuous improvement and we have used the Kaizen methodology in, in many of the areas, which we will continue to do. But the change that, that is expected to be done now is really radical and those methods are not really, really going to work. Uh, so, so what, what we have realized is that the entire organization cannot, cannot really change, change that one go. We identify areas which are really going to, going to make a big difference to us. And in those areas, we say that we are going to take a zero-based approach, which means think radically differently and, and then, then get people who, who, who can uh, make that work so that we are able to deliver a change because if it, it is small. And if we are not able to deliver, then the failure is also restricted. So when we are looking at the changes that we want to bring about, and I like your point about, uh, Kirti, that we should look at Amazon or totally a different industry, a totally different type of player. You never know when they come into our camp and give us a tough time as a competitor. Now, Jean, coming back to you, when we are trying to do things which are to like be business as usual, like Kirti mentioned, continuous improvement, but that's seen more as, okay, same or same old, or are you building a better mousetrap? Most companies cannot claim today that they are future fluent, truly. So are you putting a pause on those continuous improvement initiatives or should you and then take a step back and and think fresh instead of always trying to become uh, be seen as, as a company, as a hero, that these guys are trying to change the, the tires of a moving vehicle? Uh, that's, that's probably the, <laughs> the most difficult question I Certainly, we, certainly not. We, we cannot afford to, to lean back, take time, reflect, think about what we've done, and just contemplate uh, what's good, what's wrong. We, we, we cannot do that. So the, personally, after 35 years of experience, I'm convinced, unfortunately, that it is extremely difficult to be both running activities with uh, 24 hours, seven days, extreme tension everywhere, and at the same time, being in charge of the transformation. And sorry to say, but, but, but I think that we should accept that some people take distance, observe you, maybe benchmark you. Uh, they have the right to give you some advices, but also they detect to which direction you, you should go to change and make the organization more fluent. This is exactly what we are currently doing within Air France KLM, as you know, we have a new CEO coming from uh, from Canada, completely new culture. He came with, with people from, from his previous staff. They took time to observe us. And now they have the right to say, wow, you are very complex here. We have seen other processes. And there you should do that. And there is this or that aspect of the business that you should do differently. That can be, for instance, the fleet adjustment, choices in the fleet distribution, the way we are designing the cabin, uh, the way we are managing the hub, these are things that should be done completely differently. And, and I really think that we need people having, having uh, taken distance to observe. So that it's, a, it's a fundamental uh, difficulty. 
because the risk is to create a sort of, of, of split between the lucky people thinking about the future and the dream and the paradise and the other who has the dirty problems of the daily life. But unfortunately, I think that it starts like this. And then the challenge will be for the first one to be embarked by the second one and the storyline and the storytelling will be very important. So, Kirti, when you look at your environment, of course, Jean has the 24-7, 365 type of environment. You, too, are in some form or fashion doing it, maybe not exactly to that degree, but you're also being watched by the customers, by competitors, by regulators, everyone else, and you got to stay your head above, keep your head above water and also compete and grow. All of that is not easy, and you just doing continuous improvement is not going to cut it either. You've got to take some quantum leaps. So what do you pause for you to start something bigger? So like I said, continuous improvement will keep happening, but we have identified certain areas where we said that we will, we will take a quantum leap. Okay, and one understands that there are customers, there are regulators, there are there are employees, and so on and so forth. But in in an area that is identified, we said say that we will take this quantum leap. Okay, while we will not implement it all across. For example, we 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 are implementing a new process for customer service. So when and it is it is really really completely a different process the way we look at customer service because ours is is a traditional business where we take risk and we are we, we check the risk so even before a customer comes to us with a service request we look at the risk angle. If we have to really take a quantum leap there, then we have to address all these. So we have done that, but we will pilot it for select customers, okay, for to a closed user group, and then we will roll it out to all all other customers, okay. Uh, that is that is the way in which we ensure that we are able to make the jump, but we are also not disrupting what we are already providing to existing customers. So, Kirti, your example of enabling a brand new approach to customer service, which means your touch points might change, your approach to the customers might change. It's a fundamental shift, and I'm sure it is for the better outcome. It also would yes. disrupt the experience you offer to the customers. Yes, you will start and pilot with a smaller group and then expand it, but then any disruption is also not very easy for a customer to digest, and that has its own risk as well. How do you handle that? So, so the, the way we handle, see, first of all, you know, uh, I think before we go to the customers, it is very important for us to to address the employees who are going to service these customers, because if you if they are not not brought on board onto this change, then it is going to be very difficult. Because while we are talking of technology implementations, it is finally the humans who are delivering this service, right? It is therefore very important to onboard them. Once they are onboarded. Because they are going to talk to the customer. The technology teams are not going to directly talk to the customer if the customer feels any disruption. Uh, so we need to communicate with the customer. Okay, We need to be prepared that there may be some customers who will still complain. But but we, we really need to keep doing this. And you know, if you really ask me, customers are evolved. Because customers are seeing this kind of a service from, from other industries. Okay, And customer expectations are really, really different. So I don't think there will be a challenge from a customer point of view. For us in the industry, okay, most of our customers are acquired through distributors. And large part of the servicing also is done by the distributor. So it is important for us to also take the distributor along so that the distributor helps the customers in this journey. So, Jean, when you look at this particular scenario where you are trying to make things happen, and in your case, very interestingly, airline customer, which is more of a B2C play. Yes, there is a B2B play also where you've got the corporate travel. But eventually, mm -hmm. uh, an individual, when they look at the experience, they are very heavily cost-sensitive lately. They are also becoming very finicky about what you serve as food. They're also very finicky about how do you change your gates at the middle of uh, or, or very close to when the departure time is and or the overall experience. All of that, there are so many moving parts and you try to uh, innovate in that area. And if something goes south, whatever benefit you would have achieved from that growth could very well be offset based on people defecting. 
going to another airline and you making the news. How do you prevent that? Wow. It's, first of all, we, we should measure permanently uh, what we call the net promoter score and, and the, the customer satisfaction to know if what we have decided is bringing benefits. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, let, let's be sure that what we do is going to the high direction. Second point, uh, um, well, strangely, we, we, we should travel a lot on, on other airlines to check what the others are doing. I come back to the competition, but sometimes it's, it's better to experiment what the others are doing. And you know that, for instance, uh, in particular for the business class, for the premium customers, there is a high level of expectation considering the price they pay. But it, but for us, it's complex because it takes time to change the cabin, for instance, the business cabin, the, 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 the full flat bed. That is a huge expectation. That is a standard. Unfortunately, in Air France in particular, we are not yet ready. What can we do? We cannot change that overnight. It's, it's a long process. So we have to find other aspects to compensate and, and to fill the gap. And for instance, it's transformation of our cabin crew makes them completely fluent with customers, completely customer-oriented with, with a lot of information about customers. Because the full flat, we don't have it. We, we will have it, but maybe in one year, two years. So we must find other approach to, 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 to close the gap and, and, and fill the gap. That's, that's the idea. And from time to time, we have to think about disruption. Since, honestly, complete disruption. That's what we did with low-cost uh, carrier and Transavia or that we tried to do with long haul low cost with June, then we have realized that the economical model is, is, is not excellent and it was confusing for customers. But yes, from time to time, we should say, okay, let's go to another direction. Clearly, let's change. Let's change completely the game. Let's give up this, or on the contrary, let's do that. For instance, we have just decided to recreate a business class for the domestic flights. That was not usually the case. But we have analyzed the situation, the competition, the margin, and we said, okay, let's do that. Let's do it. And we have to do it quickly. Then execution is, is, is key. So let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And when we come back, Kirti, I'll, I'll like to pose a question here about the future fluent, that the very part of the topic we have, future fluent organization. But when you look at future, should we have or can we have a clear vision given the dynamic shift that we are seeing in the marketplace and in the consumer behavior and expectations and technology and everything else? Or should we be opportunistic in defining what the future is and thus just chase that next thing? What would serve us well as a business and what would make it practical for us to be able to do it consistently? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN. CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. 
listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Keithy, we want to be future fluent, but since future is kind of fuzzy for many of us, should we become opportunistic or should we still strive to create some definition of the future which we know is going to be changing rather quickly given the dynamic environment we are in? So what should be be our, our approach? See, I think we, we need to define the future as we think it is going to be. Though, like I said, the future is not really the long-term future. It could be just, just perhaps a few months away. And what we need to be cognizant of is that that could change, okay? So while we need to plan for the future, we should also remember that the future is going to change and we should have the agility and the ability to change tracks whenever we are required to. And therefore, whatever we develop, now if I look at it from a technology point of view, whatever we develop, we should be able to and willing to let go of something that we have already developed and and should be willing to choose a new path very quickly. But whose appetite should it be? Sorry? So, so CFOs usually don't have the appetite when you go and say, hey, I'm going to spend $5 million, but it's possible $1 million of worth will be thrown away. So I'm absolutely with you. So I'm not saying that everywhere you will be able to do it. Therefore, I'm saying you have to choose where you want to bring about the, about the radical change. Because no one, I mean, it's not only a CFO thing, but an organization, the entire organization cannot radically change overnight. Okay, so you will have one will have to choose one's battles. And even if you look at the new age organizations, we believe that they are changing, but we are only seeing them change the things that we, that are visible to us. We don't know what is happening behind the scenes. And I'm sure that every, I mean, even even organ, new age organizations are not changing overnight completely. Uh, so therefore, what we decide to change is also very very critical. But but maybe not a five million dollar investment. But, but we should be having those conversations with CFO. And if as an organization we are not willing to fail fast, then it will be a challenge. So, Zhang, what have you tried to do in this regard? Have you been able to figure out there will be a, a totally distinctly different future for Air France and KLM? And then, interestingly, you, you, you mentioned that you had someone, your new CEO came from Canada right? Different environment, different yeah. mindset and, yes. and value system, etc. Yes. How yeah. do we know what they are doing is the right thing for the company or whatever you're going to do going forward is the right thing for the company? Who is who's the judge here? How do we, in an absolute sense, figure out that what's better for us is what's being done? What's your approach to measure okay. that? I think, well, first of all, I, I think that we must share as I said before, the storyline. I think that one of the best soft skills we should have in our team, this is a storytelling soft skill. People able to, to tell a story. What are the goals? Where do we want to go together? What are the principles? What do we want to share? For instance, when, uh, when Ben, uh, ben Smith, who is our new CEO, uh, came uh, in, into the group, he said, well, I want simplicity. I want only three brands, not five or ten, but Three, I want to quickly restore the, the profitability of Air France, and I want customer satisfaction to reach this, uh, this level. So I think everything starts with where do we want to go? Concretely, um, I have another example in IT, purely in IT. Huh? We have decided to move to a public, uh, let's say, hybrid cloud and multi-cloud strategy. But why? So the, the question is not to, to define with a lot of details what will be the situation in five years. I don't know. In three years, I don't know. No, what I know is that we have collectively a certain number of things to change and to do to be better performing to serve the objectives of Ben Smith. Then to do that, personally, I would promote a lot agility, agile way of working. We work together with different profiles we define a minimum viable situation. We check that the proof of value is there for what we are doing. And we progress step by step, transforming progressively the organization because we know collectively where we want to go. That's for me the, the most important. Give a sense. 
So the playbook that you shared is come up with a, a vision or whosoever the leader is comes up with a vision. You connect, like for example, in your case, technology and multi-cloud environment, you say, we are going to go to this route because there is a logical reason why this would be the best way to achieve what the business vision is. Use that story to get the funding, start small, fail fast, fail small, and you can create some proof of concept and then scale from there. And even if things change, since you said you do not know what's going to happen in three years, even if in three years things change, you will go back to them again and say, oops, we were not sure what would happen three years down. So things change. And what we asked you as funding, we might have to relook at it. And based on this playbook, Young, would everything go well as and, and, and nobody will get fired for this? No, I think that things are not as simple as that. Uh, I think that in, in three years from now, I, I do not know exactly what would be the situation, but I think that the, the main objectives defined by the boss and by the, the group executive committee, and I am member of the group executive committee, so, so I know them, I think that it will probably, it will not change. So the, the way, the path will be maybe different from what I have in mind today, the goal will not be different. Then I have to be careful. Of course, uh, the decisions are important. For instance, moving to hybrid multi-cloud means that I plan to close data centers. The two we have, the two twin data centers we have in Air France and KLM, uh, and one in Amsterdam. So we, yes, we plan to close them. So to do that, we have a certain number of steps. And we, we should check that every step is a good one, that we make the good product selection, supplier selection, that we move the right applications in the right order. Because I know where I go. So, of course, you're right. Huh? I, I, I'm not rich enough to, uh, to, to write off and spend money for nothing. That's my challenge. I'm paid for that. I'm paid for that to make the right choices, but be flexible. I, I need to keep a certain level of flexibility. Kirti, if you were to approach you all of this... Can something there? Yes, please. Go ahead. So I, I will to give an example of the cloud, okay? Uh, so we are, uh, we are a regulated, uh, heavily regulated industry, uh, and we keep evaluating uh, uh, public cloud. We, of course, have a private cloud. And uh, like you said, you know, uh, fail, take, take small risks and fail, fail uh, in fail fast. So what we did is that we, we have to go to the cloud. So we said as a philosophy, we are now going to use infrastructure as a service on the public cloud till, till there is complete clarity as to how this is going to be handled. But, but we are using a lot of solutions which help us, uh, which, have, which have helped us reduce the time to market. We, we, have, we are using multi-cloud using the SaaS model, okay? So software as a service. So that if there is a risk like I said, if it doesn't work out, then it is easy. One, the, one, the solution is restricted to certain functions within the organization. Yeah, that is what I wanted to share on, on add to what John said. Sure. Now, now the, the question I had was for regarding the people, right? Because many times we would build strategies in, in the ivory tower, and yes, you might do a good job of including the people in the process. That's one. But still, there is a lot to tackle with what they are doing in their regular day life. Plus, on top of it, you want them to shift on a dime and or start involving themselves in innovation and all the different things, which could create overwhelmed feeling burnout there some people could get detached or could get frustrated and you can kiss the execution of this goodbye if that continues to happen how do you minimize those workforce human regular human being issues as you try to look up and tell okay whatever business you tell me to do i will somehow figure it out to get it done you don't want to kill your team's morale and Physically, they are totally spent in the process of meeting business needs. Because corporate looks at it as profitability. They look at the shareholder. I'm not sure how many of them are truly looking at what's happening to the employee or the people. Hmm. Hmm. So, Kirti, what, what, what is your 
approach to making sure, at least at your level or maybe at your management level, to make sure that shareholder value doesn't take away your employees' experience because they're the ones who are going to build you or will help you become future fluent? Well, sure, absolutely. So employees are a very important part of anything that we do. And it is not a cliched statement, but actually what we are doing. And uh, starting uh, first with the adoption, okay, because like I said, we believe that, that you know, many digital initiatives will, will, uh, uh, will be focused towards the customer. But we believe that if our employees are, are, are not involved, engaged throughout the journey, then we are not going to be able to do anything. So I'm not talking of the technology employees, but the employees across the organization. So a large part of our digitization initiatives are focused towards the employee. So how do we make the life of our employee better? Okay, We don't want to use these technology solutions only to help the customer and the shareholder, but also the employee. That really helps us, okay? Because when, when we expect them uh, to, to stretch, they understand that what, what this technology has delivered to me can be delivered to the customer, so we get their complete buying, which is generally across the organization that I am seeing. From, from a technology point of view, she needs to, we need to communicate with the employees uh, very regularly because like we, like we said in the, in, in the beginning, we need to do both. We need to manage the BAU and we also need to do new things. And, and the technology employees will have to do both. So we need to communicate to them actually why it is important for us to do both. That's one. Two, we need to look at skilling of those employees. We need to look at rewarding them for, for the good work they have done. We need to not penalize them for the failures that they are going through. While whatever I have said is very easy to say, but very difficult to implement. So I would say that the change has to begin from you as a leader. Okay? So unless and until you don't do it, then they are not going to do it. So if they know that, 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 that the organization is with them, I am sure they will support us. Having said that, there will be a churn, and we should be okay with with little bit of the churn. Uh, as leaders, we should, we should be okay with that. So, Jean, would you agree to the concept of casualties of war as you go and transform your ship, if you will? Are you willing to let some of that burnout, some of that boredom, detachment, frustration stay because that's inevitable and not try to become a people pleaser because you've got a business or a job to do? How are you balancing no, the no, two? No, 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 I don't balance. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I fully support what uh, Casey said. Uh, I, I think that there are some basics. Uh, celebrate the success, communicate permanently, communicate where do we want to go, for which reason, convince middle management with good storyline. But, but I, would add, I would add very specific topics that I have seen in, in, in my company. First, don't forget we are in Europe and in particular in France and in the Netherlands where the works council, the social body play a very important role. Very important role. So believe me, if we have burnout, detachment, frustration, the social bodies will very quickly warn us and it will become very dangerous for us as well. It's like this. We are in, in Europe where still we are extremely driven by the social relationship and we, we, we are paying a lot of attention with them. We are collaborating with them. We try to build together this uh, future fluent organization. Uh, we, we, we have a certain number of rules, and sometimes it is a law. By French law or Dutch law, you cannot do what you want. It's extremely strict. So you, you, you cannot mitigate easily. Huh? That's the first thing. The second thing is patience and history of your company. Uh, fortunately, KLM is a 100 years old company. We celebrate the centenary a few weeks ago, and Air France is 85 years old. We have a long history. People, they have the patience of the airline industry. So every time there is a transformation, we, we, we are facing difficulties, economical difficulties, sometimes security difficulties when there is an accident, a crash, or things like that. Immediately, we try to recreate the link with the essence of the group and the airlines. Where do we come from? Who did, who, who were the pioneers? What did they do in the past? And we continue to build the history. And it works. It works. Sincerely, it works. At least in our industry, it works a lot. 
even in, in Delta, if you know a little bit the history of Delta, it's, it's fantastic what they have done. So the history is a fantastic opportunity to boost the transformation and, and support it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Jean, when we come back, I'd like to ask you this question about data and analytics-driven decision-making and innovation. Now, on the ground, the reality is that most organizations cannot claim today that their data and analytics function is mature. Some people have even reported not more than 2 to 3 on a scale of 1 to 10. And there's a lot of money being spent on that. And if we are trying to get to where we want to go, there is so much data coming from all different directions. It is becoming a data swamp versus a data lake. And our analytics is also flawed in many cases. There are, this is not the, the rosiest picture when we are saying we want to build a future fluent organization, which is data and analytics driven. So what on the ground are you doing to rise, to, to, to help your organization rise to say seven or eight, if not two or three, so that you can claim that, yes, you are working in the right direction. What is it that you're doing? What have you tried? What's worked? What's not worked? What's learning? And what is the takeaway? Let's talk more when we come back. Please stay tuned, listeners. Okay. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN. CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, data and analytics, not easy for us to be able to master. Most organizations struggle. As you tried to build, Zhang, your organization to become comfortable with data and analytics-driven decision-making and, in fact, start using this as an ammunition, as a catalyst, what's the journey like? Where are you in that journey? What's working and where are you struggling? I like the question a lot. Um, well, I, I would say that Maybe it's the first time uh, in my uh, in my career after uh, 35 years that IT and the digital uh, technical expertise are ahead. I think that we've done a lot. We have created the data warehouse, the searching engine, the data lakes, uh, all the the vis- vis- visionary tooling. So we have a lot of things: biometrics, uh, SPL. Um, so we are ready. To a certain extent, from a technical standpoint, we are ready. We have also refurbished our backend for, for cargo, for maintenance, for passenger business. We have a lot of things. Good news. Well, the problem is that the businesses are like chicken with a knife. They, they have difficulty to structure, steer, organize the good usage, the good use of what we have put in place. Um, on, on IT side, we have fortunately created 60 years ago an operational research team with a very brilliant mathematician and people working for exploring data and optimizing, 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 because airlines is nothing but optimizing what you can optimize. But it's not enough. It's not enough. We really need data scientists having a strong knowledge of the business. If you are data scientists in the engine uh, Maintenance, you need to know about engine. It's like this, and the GE90 is very complex anymore. And I think that, well, the, 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 so I would say today we are between 0 and 10. I think we are at 5. And the challenge is now to go business per business, to spend time with the EVPs, with the VPs, tell them what's available, what, what they can do with that. They have gold in their hands. It's real assets. What can they do with that to ease their life, build the future good organization, perform, performant organization, and, and augmented people? 
uh, helping them to make better decisions. That's that's a challenge. It's it's my my uh, per- perspective. Uh, maybe it's not shared, but it's what I see. All right. So so uh, this is a thanks so much for your candor because you know you're saying that you're at five, so I'm sure there is a lot of work ahead of you. Um, so, Kirti, when you look at your organization, I'm sure you're trying to do something similar. Where do you stand and what's been your journey in this regard? Um, so, I would also stand, uh, we would also stand at the same place as John has mentioned. So, I'll tell you how we started this journey. We, we, did, not, uh, we did not start by investing a, a lot of money in the technology or in the people. What we did is we said we will we will hire from outside. So we worked we worked with the partners initially, and we brought expertise from outside. We took specific use cases, and and we said we will deliver on the use case, and we will show that it works. So some of the use cases that that we have worked uh, very very uh, effectively is one in persistency, uh, the other one is fraud analysis, third one is cross sell. And and we are we are identifying more and more use cases. So what is happening with data and analysis is because there's so much data available that people uh, analysts will get carried away by doing analysis. But unless and until there is a clear use case as to what are we going to achieve after doing the analysis, it doesn't make sense in doing any analysis. And that is the approach that we have taken. Uh, now we are building a team. Uh, so that we, we, we bring those skills internally. Now, people also talk about quality of data. People talk about big data. So people talk about implementing data lakes or data streams to handle to handle the need of data and analytics. We said we will start small. Whatever data we will have, we will build on it, and then we will we will look at the need for having an enterprise-wide data lake. So you, the way you so described that, that you got it. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry? Go ahead. No, I think the other thing that we said is that it is important that in in the critical business functions we have people who understand the importance of data. It's not so much so much about having data scientists in those teams, but how can data help them analyze? Because it is important that we start collecting the right kind of data. We start working on the quality of the data, and then we, we will eventually go to analytics. While we have not got there, but that is that is the way to go. We would need to have have either hire people with those skills in in critical functions, or train existing people to look at things differently. So you've tried with the best intent that you want to rise up beyond, say, the the scale of one to ten above five, right? Like what Zhang is trying to do, which in a way tells that there are there is interest in the among the people there is interest among the stakeholders to be able to get there but it looks like the nature of the beast is such that you're not able to move past that level is someone looking at this and saying this is a problem we ought to crack because there on the other side of this problem lies a great opportunity and put the right type of investment not just more money just not throw more people and money at it but take a step back if you have to, or look at it differently so that you crack this problem so you move forward. Is that how we are approaching this, or we just come across as tired warriors that we've tried whatever best we could try, and this is the best we could get to? No, no, I, I don't think so we are doing. We should do that, and we are not doing that. There is a business problem that we need to tackle. Jean, have you looked at things, so say, to 2020, would you do anything different with your data and analytics function, given that you gave yourself a rank of five? Well, I, I think that uh, first we will, uh, we will spend more time with uh, each and every business to, to elucidate the, the governance. Uh, that is the first uh, difficult question. You know, the airline is is very centralized from uh, from a data and IT point of view because you share a lot of data. Everything is connected with everything. So the, the question of transversality is key whereas the organization is by silo. So IT is probably the, the only place and area where by nature and in particular as far as data are concerned, transversality is key. So I will spend, we will spend more time 
to elucidate with EBPs what they can do uh, if they work more transversely. We, we have done last week a data strategy presentation in the XCOM Air France. We will do the same in the XCOM KLM and at the group XCOM in January. And the conclusion of this presentation is we should spend more time in depth, business per business, to, to see where, where is the value, where are the good use cases. But we have uh, already a lot of examples. Uh, I said uh, five because I'm, I'm, I try to be realistic, but we are doing, for instance, predictive analysis for engine maintenance or aircraft maintenance. We are doing recommendation. We are doing uh, turnover optimization uh, using uh, data science. But we can do more. What, how to monetize this, this asset? And one day, maybe uh, in the future, the data will be part of the balance sheet. It, it, will, it will be an asset like an aircraft or like a package. Today, the software is an asset. Maybe tomorrow, our data will be an asset. I, will, I would love to show that to the CFO. To tell him, look, look, in your balance sheet, there is something new with a lot of value. This is the data of the group. This will be, I think, a big chance if we do that. Kirti, when you look at your partners in the ecosystem, I'm not sure how, what's your partnership line. I know in John cases, as an airline, they definitely have to work with a lot of partners. Not sure what's your partner ecosystem and their customers. So, uh, so Kirti, when you, when you look at them and you say, I want to take our organization forward and make it future fluent, and Mr. Customer and Mr. Partner, both of you could benefit if you came along, and let's work closely. But they may have their own agenda. They could, a customer could defect easily. A partner may have their own balance sheet to handle and or profit and loss to handle. How do you take them along? Uh, yeah, sure, Sanjit. Before going to your question, just two points I wanted to add on the earlier question, two things that we are doing. One is enrichment of data. That is very, very critical. Uh, and whenever we are looking at building any solution, now the technology teams are also looking at data because otherwise earlier we would build an application or a solution and data would just come come along. Whereas now there is a focus on acquiring data and enriching data. Now coming to your question about partners, it is absolutely essential for us to work with our partners and I completely uh, understand where your question uh, Priorities for partners and priorities for us could be different. And we, need, we, we have to work very closely with our business folks because finally the business folks are talking to the partners uh, and, and get alignment. At times, we have had to change our priorities. At times, we have had to push back, push back the partners, convince them, coerce them to, to, to work with us. Uh, we, is, is that something that uh, that needs improvement? Yes, it certainly does need improvement. And I, I think you were asking about the B2B partners, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so very, very recently we worked uh, with uh, Xiaomi, and uh, it it was a wonderful experience. Uh, so the business folks were talking to the to the business business folks from the other side, and the technology teams were aligned. And uh, so we always take a two pronged approach: business talks to business, and technology talks to technology. And uh, and we have been able to make it work. But like I said, we need to be flexible. We need to 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 uh, to realign our priorities because some things may not work as per our plan because partner may have other priorities, and some partners may just just come by. Uh, which was not planned in the beginning. So, Zhang, have you done anything creative or new or different which will make the partners and customers follow your lead versus you having to urge them, hey, folks, come along? Well, I, I will uh, maybe concentrate uh, my, my answer to, uh, on, on partners because, we, as you said before, we, we are extremely uh, engaged with partners. As you know, we have the Sky Team Alliance, but we have some joint ventures, very important joint ventures. And what do we do currently? We, we, we have built programs that we call Get Rid of Themes. The pain for a customer is to, to experience themes between the different partners. We would like the customer experience to be completely fluent from A to Z. 
To do that, we need to eliminate themes. For instance, if you book a seat with Aeromexico uh, from Mexico to New York and then to, from New York to Paris, take this example, it should be f- completely fluent. So we develop standards, APIs, a spine, we call it digital spine, that is a sort of hub where all the, partner, the partners are connecting together. They, they are connecting uh, on, on the hub. And the hub is distributing the request and the replies with standards like, like uh, NDC APIs, the new distribution capability APIs, that is a standard in the industry. And we are steering that. Just before this call, I was attending the, the monthly steering with the other CIOs, CIO of Korea, North Delta, Mexico, Aeroflot, all the CIOs together. We see how we can mobilize technologies and in this case APIs mainly to get rid of things. That's, and, and to create this fluent uh, perception for a customer from origin to destination. That, that's a very concrete example. One minute total I have, so 30 seconds each. If, Jean, you had to give a message to the folks, fellow leaders, CIOs, and other business leaders to do, say, one main thing which will help them become better at building a future-fluent organization, what would that be? What would be that one top thing? For me, the most important is, as I said before, storytelling. Build, elaborate, structure your storyline. Where do we want to go together? For which reason? What are we targeting together for mutual benefits? And I think that the, the moment you will have a clear story shared, simple, convincing, then I think you will start a very, very enjoyable endeavor. Kirsty? I think we need to uh, take an outside-in view. And when I say outside, it is, it is not within the industry at all. That's one. Two is and learnability and adapt- adaptability to new ways of working is what we should, we should subscribe to. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Jean and uh, Kirti, for sharing your thoughts and insights about the steps that organizations should take and the changes leaders should build, bring about so that we can build future fluent organizations. Thanks so much, both. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sanjok. And hope, uh, listeners, you got some nuggets. Uh, This was a very fantastic and an intense discussion on what we can do to build future fluent organizations. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTNCIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.